0: welcome everybody to the straight shoot wrestling podcast guys it is your boy mr tesh and listen my childhood has come back around and we do not have santi today but i think we got a pretty damn good replacement big veto what is going on my dude welcome to the podcast
1: i can't believe i'm here i'm i'm just as happy as you are reliving your childhood living your dream that's what it's all about positive vibes positive views i heard a lot of great things about this show i know it's worth millions and millions of people around the world and we're gonna get it live right now my dude go ahead Give it to me. What do you got for me? How are you going to handle this? I know you got a lot on your plate. I know you're excited. Please don't mess up, all right? Don't be that <laughs> fanboy who gets all tongue-tied, and you got to call your mom. Nah. Not- it's, all all, right. it's all
0: good. If you let me call my mom at the end of this, she'll be. She'll enjoy it. But listen, first off, Vito, how you doing, man? Like, wh- what's going on in your life right now? Where? Wh- what's going on? I see you all over social media, pushing the big Vito brand. Tell me about what's going on.
1: Well, I'm just living a positive lifestyle, just doing my thing, taking care of Miss Noel. Uh, you know, living the Florida life, you know, doing sports, living by the pools, tanning, happy hour, you know, doing my 9 to 5, you know, coming here, podcasting, getting the big Beetle brand out there, being live on TikTok. You know what, you know, TikTok <clears throat> is a great thing because all those fans, I have about 12,000 and after this show, I'm going to have about 15,000 people. Loving big Vito Lagrasso, they love all my stuff. They always say, "Vito, you're the only guy who participates. Like you know, no other person on TikTok. You're the only celebrity who gets on and actually talks to the people, answer their hopes and dreams, get involved with them. And that's what it's about: being positive in life, spreading good wealth. You know what I'm saying? That's what. That's what it's about.
0: Listen, man, I I will attest to that. You have been one of those ones when it comes to the social media game tiktok coming on the podcast really just getting your name out there through the creators which i don't think a lot of uh professionals and celebrities realize how important these platforms are to build their brand you know after after the gig is up and you know be there and be aware of what's trending and what's new and you and Noel have taken this to a whole new respectable level because you're so involved. Like I've got people that are currently live on TikTok right now asking like what's going on. We know he's on the straight shoot podcast. They've got sent questions in and they're excited to talk to you as well. And I think this is a good stepping stone for any other podcasters that are coming up saying, Hey, like if these guys can do it in a short six months and get guys like Vito on here, there it's it's easy work it's well it's not easy work it's hard work at the end of the day but what i'm saying is what you have done has you've opened the road for others to come and do it as
1: well well you know what it is my thing is is that i would like to get <clears throat> i would like to you know entertain the fans here but also get a chance to get bookings you know do some movies do advertising do commercials do other things so i could earn a living here You know, doing these TikToks and doing this stuff, my presence is very well known. A lot of people like my upbeat style. They have a great time on the park. They like watching the shows. I did a game show uh, yesterday on the sit-down, which was good. And I said, you know, we had our, our panel. And I said, this is your WWE. And I use what is going on in wrestling. And I let these guys do their narrative. So, I'm going to get you through some things here. This is going to be your WWE, okay? Here it goes. Who is your favorite diva of all time?
0: Favorite diva of all time?
1: Yeah, Listen, who's your favorite female wrestler?
0: My my favorite female wrestler of all time is actually Trish Stratus. But before I finish that sentence, I have such a soft spot for Tori Wilson because I used to work backstage events at my arena here in Ontario and that woman was so nice, she gave me a lovely little kiss on the cheek because I got her ice-cold water. I'll never forget that. So she lives, she's got a very close spot, spot spot in my heart.
1: All right, so here we go. Tris Stratus, Yeah. okay, you own the WWE. You have a one-night stand, you're a married man. Do you have a one-night stand, or do you keep it an affair?
0: Whoa. So, um... Listen, I'm a married man. I, I've never been one for the.
1: This is fantasy. There is, there,
0: there's no fantasy. It's, if I'm locked down, I'm locked down. That's who I am. And that's who I am as a person. So, you know what, Trish, I appreciate it. And I love you. I saw you in Toronto, but, uh, or in Kitchener when you were here last, a couple of months ago, but sorry, I would definitely say no.
1: All right. You're the CEO and chairman of the board. You just knew who will be your women's champion. Um, currently. Any woman's champion.
0: Any woman's champion, I would have Bianca drop it to uh, Alexa.
1: All right, so Alexa Bliss is your champion. Yep. You're working late nights. Alexa and you are grinding. You're, you're there putting, trying to put the product up. Alexa decides to give you an intimate kiss. What do you do?
0: Oh, God, pray I got an NDA and I can pay out $3 million. <laughs> All
1: right. So you pray, you pay, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this was so much fun yesterday. I got to tell you, it was, it was hilarious because the guys are sitting there and they're going through this. But this is today's wrestling. So, you, ha- you have your kiss leads to something else. Then six weeks later, she says, at WrestleMania, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant. What do you do?
0: Pray that NDA is sealed tight.
1: <laughs> okay, so you, you pay because you play right yeah so now with this happening sitting tight you're on the qt you're having a child with your champion okay do you use it as a storyline on your on raw
0: hey listen if i had the mentality like uh the current booking does absolutely
1: okay so you have the storyline okay she runs into a problem. She's having a hard time with the pregnancy. Do you move her into your house and tell your wife that you're having this child with so-and-so? No, that's why I've
0: got that foolproof NDA. Right. Simple as that. Right.
1: You're on your own, kid. See ya. His three mil. I'll talk to you later. Hit me up on the down low. I'll throw you some crib money, some baby formula and shit like that, right? This not- thing went on. <laughs> These guys were laughing, dying, right? So at the end of the show, these guys go, hey, Vito, you know, nobody picked you to be champion in their fed says, And I said, nobody picked Miss Noel either to be their secret diva, which was fine. I said, Vito, what about you? Who are you going to pick? I said, hey, it's my show. I can't can't answer any questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, that's awesome. I love it.
1: That's having a good time and not burying nobody. And just entertaining the people because everybody sat there like in the live chat. They go like, oh, my God, this is awesome. This is great. This was like Hollywood Squares. You know what I mean? This is like this is your life." Yeah. But that's today's business. And
0: that's today's wrestling. What's going on? So if you let's get into today's business and today's wrestling, because there's some dynamics of this kind of wrestling that we're seeing in sports entertainment, both AEW and WWE that. Right is really kind of bringing the resurgence of your era and like I grew up you know 90s attitude era I grew up ECW I grew up WCW uh, I was running up and down the stairs flipping between channels during the Monday Night Wars and where what do you see currently in the current product both AEW WWE even some of the independents like Ring of Honor and Impact that is really that they're really doing a good thing to kind of keep your era alive because a lot of people are really shitting on the current product saying it'll never be what it was. But then there's right. a lot of other people saying, well, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different time now. Right.
1: When I was wrestling and involved in the Nitro Wars, ECW, WCW, TNA, the WW back in the WWF, everybody forgets. I, I started in the WWF in '91, mm-hmm. right? There are no bigger-than-life characters when you walk somewhere. If you saw me walk in the street, you said that guy is somebody. Even today, people say, "I know you." Mm-hmm. When you look at today's wrestler, a lot of them are average-sized guys. You couldn't say, "I know him." They're not bigger than life. That's what we're fighting. That's the first thing we're fighting, right? So. For the Brock Lesnar's, the Roman Reigns, the Randy Ortons, Edge, um, I'll use those guys. You could tell, okay, they are somebody. When you flip to AEW, right? I know Chris Jericho, I know Billy Gunn. Uh, Mark Henry, Paul White. You might know Wardlow if you follow the if you follow the problem. Yeah. Has, you know, if you follow the product, you know who he is. But he's an announcer. Majority of the guys are not bigger than life. And they don't have that platform in AEW. It's like WWE and then here is the AEW. When former WWE stars come to the AEW It is not the grand entrance. Everybody made a big thing about CM Punk coming back and his thing, right? But what Triple H said was right when they were going through that era there with him and Triple H, the only reason you're here, if you don't have a place like the WWE to drop your pipe bombs, nobody's going to listen. So you need the WWE platform. When you look at him today, he doesn't carry that same star power that he had in the wwe Mm -hmm. daniel bryan the same thing and everybody has leveled down instead of leveled up Mm -hmm. the guys who they have on their show this is nothing against them but they never have that time in the wwe to make them that bigger than life star let's talk about cody rhodes cody rhodes right he didn't like this gimmick, he didn't like that gimmick, he didn't like the other gimmick. He was Dusty Rhodes' son. Um, WWE gave him five or six different gimmicks to get over, couldn't get over with the shit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He goes over to the independents, makes a name for himself, um, <clears throat> gets in AEW, puts himself in a position where he's the top guy, puts himself over, or tries to. Something happens with creative. he doesn't have what he uh he doesn't have creative control Mm -hmm. he's pushing himself to get over but he's not getting over and he's the boss yeah he's dying that's it okay i can't make it here i'm gonna go back to the wwe the thing that irritates me is he went back there when he first said i'm gonna make it on my own i'm gonna do everything on my own i am i am cody rhodes I am not Stardust. I am not Dustin Rhodes' brother. I am not the American Dream's yep. son. Yep. And what is he saying in his promos? I'm here to win the title for my father. Yep. But you're still using the American Dream. Yep. So you can't get over by yourself. You're locked in. I don't think he's going to be a major player or world champion in, in the WWE.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I, I agree with virtually everything you said there. Because Santi and I have talked about this at length especially about his first promo about coming out, how he's going to win the title for his dad because of the picture that used to sit there. And we sat there and we're like, okay, man, like I thought you were coming back to be Cody Rhodes, the American nightmare. Right. Okay. My thing is though with Cody and what you said about punk is right, especially through his back and forth with triple H. And I think that's humbled going humbled punk going to AEW because he hasn't really had the reaction since his debut and his world title run was a little, you know, okay. Um, uh, wow. well, he got, yeah, flat and he got injured and they're still trying to do this interim thing. Jo- Moxley said it best on AEW the other night. The, 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 the whole interim world title thing. Moxley's a two time world champion in AEW. He's the only champion in AEW right now. Stop trying to say this is some interim bullshit. But back to Cody. Do you believe that Cody desperately needed to prove himself at Hell in a Cell with that injury? Do you believe that now people are going to see a different side of Cody because of the balls it took to do what he did?
1: He just go from the top of the cage, right? So he went from the top of the cage, he did this moonsault, injured his toe. He didn't prove anything. He had Arn Anderson with him in his corner. It didn't prove anything, right? No matter what he tried, he couldn't get over as the man in that place. Who was the most established star in there? Chris Jericho. Jericho didn't have to force it. He was forcing it, even with all the stuff that he was doing. You can't force yourself down people's throat. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it at the end of the day, you're a kid with black trunks, black hair, and if it wasn't for your dad, you wouldn't be in wrestling.
3: Fair enough.
1: It's called spade a spade here, right? Now, you look at Taz's son, right? Hook. Got that James Dean looks, Cool wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people criticizing that they were making him a wrecking machine, but here's Wardlow taking bumps, and all these guys taking bumps. But here's this guy being a wrecking machine, and he's Taz's son. Different type of booking, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, you look at Keith Lee. That guy couldn't get over in... That guy... Let me tell you something. He irritates me. Because he had the training facility. He had nutritionists. He had classes. He had everything, right? Just because you can jump at 300-plus pounds and do a moonsault over the top rope doesn't make you a wrestler. Mm -hmm. Just because you walk down there and you try to have swag doesn't make you... If you can't wrestle, that's fine. You're bigger than everybody else, granted. But when you came to AEW, you should have been in prime shape. You weren't. you after the first day you were there, after that big bump, that big deal, what have you done? Yeah. Nothing. Now, right? is that
0: is that attitude or is that booking?
1: Attitude. Okay. He does not have heart. He thinks it's owed to him. He I wouldn't I would have fired him the day after he debuted. I did not don't like he has this I'm owed this, I'm owed this, and I deserve this. Hey, bro, you have a chance to be something great. Get yourself and get your body in shape. Be in better shape. <clears throat> when he came back from his honeymoon and everything, when he married, got married, he looked like he put on 50 extra pounds.
0: He did look bigger when he, came,
1: when he debuted in AEW. He did look a lot bigger. I do agree with that, yeah. Right, and then when Powerhouse Hobbs gave him that spine buster... I was like, that's it. That's, his, that's his push out the window. You just said somebody like Powerhouse Hobbs, who <clears throat> hasn't had the exposure like him, but he's throwing around Keith Lee, the, the big biggest boy. acquisition, like a sack of shit. Yep, so I look at that, and I'm like, all right, not good.
0: So you've mentioned a, a, a number of very recent talent, uh, i.e. Keith Lee, Hook, uh, Hobbs, uh, we can even throw, let's throw Sammy Guevara in there. Let's toss in. I don't want to go straight AEW. Let's throw in Sami Zayn. Um, I'm not just trying to pick like mid card guys. I'm trying to pick guys that have reference and L- ability to tell a story, which that's the one thing we're talking about in pro wrestling. Doesn't matter if it's sports entertainment or pro wrestling. We're still telling a story in the ring, correct? So those are the names that I'm I'm going to throw out. We'll throw out Sami Zayn and let's throw out Gunther Walter, who I think is probably a big future in WWE if he keeps going the way he's going right now. So from the characters that I have just mentioned, would they have made it in your era, either WCW or WWF, the 90s? Would they have made it and why not? Why or
1: why not? These guys wouldn't these guys would be lucky if they got enhancement talent jobs. You look at Skull Von Crush. <clears throat> I had a character and gimmick I went in there as the German. I looked different. I had a character. They used it. I was doing full matches in my first year. The development of the wrestler is not there for you to gain the exposure. You don't have that learning curve like I did. Here's my first year. I already did a WCW TV. I wrestled beautiful Bobby and I got called with the Alabama Jam. I come over and do the WWF TV. Okay, I got Bret Hart teaching me, the British Bulldog. I have the Big Boss Man. I have the Undertaker. I have the Tonka. I have High Energy. And all the guys in the dressing room, who who you brought in, who who broke you in, kid Johnny Rods, come sit right here. It's not that style, no. Okay. Every wrestler today is entitled. When you were broken in, you always protected each other. How many people got hurt during the ECW time? Nobody. We all took care of each other, right? Mm -hmm. I was doing hardcore in WCW. How many guys got injured and were on the injured list? Nobody. How many people got hardware there? Nobody. When you look at the guys like, take Sammy Gravaro and Jeff Hardy, okay? When Sammy Guevara threw that chair at him and busted his head open, and then he do, and then they do these stupid bumps and unprotect and not protecting each other. That's not wrestling. You're careless. You're sloppy. Sammy Guevara, I happen to like. I think he's a phenomenal athlete and a good wrestler. He does do some stupid bumps and unnecessary risks. Mm-hmm. And he does do something out of the box. But that's from inexperience. I like the way he right. He could do some great things. I man, if I was wrestling him, oh, boy, I would do that. Right? You got a guy like Miro sitting there. That's my guy I would love to have a program with. Right? He's sitting on a freaking sideline. You ain't using him. He's championship material. Yep. He's yep. big, you know. You know when he when he walks in a room, you know he's there. Yep. Right. That's the difference between all these. now, Sami Zayn, I was never a fan of. Right. He does all these controversial things. He, you know, he uses more of his mouth. When he came up and he had his match with John Cena, he, you know, he had this big thing, separated his shoulder, made through. He's been serviceable, mm-hmm. okay? You take a guy like The Miz when I was there who worked his way up from being used and abused and made fun of to be world champion and I think he's sitting on top of the world. And he's a very good worker. Guys don't learn how to be workers today. They're not workers. They're just wrestlers. There's a difference. You can go out there and, yeah, I'm a wrestler. I had two lessons and everybody's a wrestler. Yeah. But being a worker... Nobody is a seasoned worker because they're not territories to learn in and there's no place to learn. Now, is, learn. Go
0: ahead. I'm sorry. Now is that uh, a uh, lasting effect because of Vince buying everything up and just not having the territories available or is that something else?
1: We well, got to remember in the nineties, that was the last of the territories. I went to the last of the territories to learn how to wrestle because mm-hmm. they weren't, uh, producing there was no money in them anymore people closing up you know you had to go through uswa to make it to the wwe mm-hmm. um the power plant when it was there when i was coming up i went from um wcw tv wwf tv i went to japan to get my ribera jacket which was important you go to wrestle for carlos you come back santa domingo for jack veneno and WCW, there you come back. USWA, Jerry Lawler. You come back, um, you go back to Carlos Colón, WWC. You go to All Japan Pro Wrestling. You come back, you go to um ECW. You get an offer, WCW, right? Then you go to the XWF, which was another place that closed down and had all the greats. Okay, I went back overseas, I went to TNA. I went back to Germany. I went back to uh, Japan. Then I finally got to go to the WWE. But you look at the, the body of work that I did to get to these places. Yeah. They don't have that today. And if you take a lot of those guys who were on the AEW squad and AEW um, on all the shows, Vince McMahon would never put those guys on TV. And he would never put those matches on TV. With these guys who were on these TV shows, right? Now, you take when I was on those kind of TV shows, like Superstars. um, I can't remember the other shows, the names back then, but I use Superstars, right? Yep. I was doing matches, live matches at the Manhattan Center with Tatanka. I was doing them with Typhoon, and they were putting them on live. They didn't think I could do a live match and have offense. They would put me on. And what did WWE known for? They used to chop and cut out the bad spots. The AEW doesn't do that. And they expose the business. Mm-hmm. And the thing that drives me crazy is they have all the minds back there in AEW. And they don't go back to Wrestling 101, which drives me absolutely crazy Because those kids can benefit from listening to the veterans. And from what I understand is they don't want to hear it. You're the old style. This is the new style. And this is what's going to make it. Let me tell you something. If I had to go to that roster and I had to look at guys and talent, we would have enough for one show. So
3: uh,
0: am am I getting a hint that you're not a fan of the AEW product?
1: For what you see, the sloppiness out there. No, yeah. I like to watch the guys who. I, I, I bring back Chris Jericho, right? Yeah. He didn't have to be world champion, but they needed a world champion to get the company over. He did that. He took four other guys with him, got them over, went about his way, did his programs with everybody, right? So everybody he was in a program with, he got over. He took another four guys. And now he's getting those guys over. Yeah. Okay? So he's helped building the product and teaching these guys how to go. Yeah. John Moxley came over established. He was an established star, and they needed another guy with name value. When AEW first started, who were the name guys on there that had TV exposure, major exposure? Chris Jericho, John Moxley. Yeah. Right? Eventually they brought Sting. Sting, sit, you know, isn't a prominent figure. They got probably the best athlete there in Billy Gunn, and he's doing something with his sons. Billy Gunn should be world champion in that place. Yeah, and there's nobody bigger than Billy Gunn in there. He's, but nice. when I saw, he's massive, dude. When I saw Darby Allen do some flop drop on Billy Gunn, and Billy Gunn put him over, I got so aggravated. Because back in the day the most unbelievable thing for a guy who never had a body was the one, two, three kid beating Razor Ramon yep. on, on a surprise. That was the extent of your surprises.
0: Still still remember watching that match live. I still remember watching that match.
1: I was backstage that night. I was in the arena at the Manhattan Center. Yeah. When it happened. Yeah. And you're like, that's wrestling. That's what wrestling is about. Razor okay. Ramon, bigger than life. The Undertaker, The Typhoon, right? You had Doink. You knew who the characters were. Yeah. Another thing they don't do, right? Nobody has a set comeback. And something that was drilled in my head. Every babyface has four moves in a comeback. The people will know when your comeback is. How many guys have a set comeback and they start their comeback with a neckbreaker? How do you get up from a neckbreaker? How do you get up from a DDT? Okay, I'm hot, I'm hot. Bang, boom, boom. Guy just took a DDT. You expecting the bump for you?
0: (laughs) Wasn't there a running joke that the DDTs become, like, just the most average move next to the super kick?
1: Right. Like, it's ridiculous. The super kick used to be a finish, right? Yeah. When I used to do the mafia kick in WCW, Right. And I used to do my karate thing after that and stand after the people and pause. I let the guy sell. Yeah. So
0: with that, with that, um, when it comes to the backstage, because I remember when I worked backstage events, I used to work house shows, like I mentioned earlier in my hometown. And I was just doing the catering. But obviously, <laughs> the caterers do get to get involved chatting with all the guys in the backstage, the guys that are friendly enough to acknowledge you. And like the people that I can shout out for one is Eddie, um, Ray, Cena, uh, Paul White, like those guys were approachable. They they came to you. Um But I wanna one thing I've always wanted to know, does everybody in on the roster know how it's gonna play out every night, especially on the live shows? Or is it just the guys in the matches and then the rest of the, the rest of the results are like, like, I don't want you to break kayfabe just for this podcast, but I'm asking just out of pure curiosity, you know, Cena and Taker go on. You're sitting backstage and you're watching on the, on the monitor in the back. Do you know what's about to happen?
1: I'm watching like you are, you know, when everybody wants to know if everything is scripted, not everything is scripted, right? And the guys who are wrestling in the back, everybody just worries about their match and their angle. Mm-hmm. So how do you worry about The Undertaker and Cena? what's happening there? But as you're trying to make it to that level and be up there. So with today's product in Raw, how many times do you hear, Oh, things were torn up. we got to rewrite this, rewrite that, rewrite the other thing. WCW with Vince Russo and the trailer and going over there. How many times did they have to have a summit at the meeting? Because Steiner was upset. And Goldberg was upset. And Nash was upset. And uh, Ric Flair was upset. Roddy Piper was upset. The Macho Man was upset. Sting was upset. This one was upset. The other one was upset.
0: So does any of that fall on Russo?
3: How could it fall on Russo?
1: It was just the culture of the business. Okay. The one thing I could say about Vince McMahon and his ship, there's one boss. Yeah. You either do it his way or get out. Yeah. You don't like it, get out. Times have changed where people have walked out because they have balls. Back in the day, you would never think. You would never do that.
2: Mm-hmm
1: changing of the guard changing of the time social media has killed k-fabe you can't k-fabe things
0: no and i agree with that that's the one thing that i miss from the 90s is like you had to find the dirt sheets if anything you found the magazines from the week before on your newsstands that kind of thing that's where we got kind of all our knowledge and i i miss like the surprise pop like i don't even remember the last time there was what edge edge's return at rumble maybe,
1: maybe let me ask you quick. Let me tell you something real quick, right? Yeah. You guys know Bill Apter and George Napolitano, right?
0: Yes. Okay, you know them.
1: Do you know how big it was to get in their magazines and have your picture in anything they did? Because that's that was your social media. Mm-hmm. If you got in their magazines, that's how you got out there through the magazines. I, if I pulled out, I have a duffel bag, a blue duffel bag. It's got magazines that, like, you've never seen before. Then I'm in there. I'm on one side. The Rock is on the inside. I'm on this side. Triple H is on this side. Eddie Guerrero, Big Vito, right? The Mama Lukes, DX. Yeah. You talk about stuff like my wife goes through that sometimes. Like, oh, my God. You're with this one, and you're this. And people forget that I was up there. And I was one of those guys because of those magazines and because of the work I put in. No, keep going. And when you looked at it, you know, I used to go to the mall on my off days, right? Used to put on sunglasses. And I used to open up the magazines Mm -hmm. on the magazine shelf in the magazine shop. So I used to open them up to my page and I used to put them on the shelf. And I used to stand there, take off my glasses, see if people would recognize me and then walk away. Yeah, the greatest thing I ever did, right? I used to have so much fun with because people would look at the magazine, and they (laughs) go, and then you just walk out and you laugh, and then they come running up to you after they bought the magazine. Hey, is this you? And you go. Hey, it is. How are you doing? Hey, nice to meet you. How you doing? Sign an autograph. There wasn't any place in the Staten Island Mall I could have went. Everybody knew me. I went to every shop. Everybody was hello. I had the best track suits. I had the best clothes. I had the best of everything. Right? But I didn't abuse the privilege. I acknowledged all the people. Yeah. It was a great thing. And I
0: think that's one thing that's missing again with the new guard. Um, and we're going to get to changing of the guard because obviously with the news of everything that's just happened over the past week, I want to get your opinion on that. But first off, I've been to a lot of shows in, uh, house shows, uh, Vancouver Island. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I was at like a pretty, pretty memorable show for a house show uh if you remember the briefcase getting tossed in from the crowd and peg and roman in the back of the neck a couple of years ago i was front row for that match and it always seems to be vancouver island jericho got into a fight there with the crowd um something happened they're not going back there anytime soon but with the new guard and dealing with the fans you hear about some of the the guys Who are really good and it's maybe about 15 or 20%. The other 80% are just like told, like, leave me alone. Now, is this one of those things that it's, it's the fault of social media because the fans seem to feel that they are more entitled to be connected with you or is it just how the, they've been brought up to
3: do their media?
1: They're brought up wrong. And it's not right because you are, you are a superstar and you are a celebrity. Mm. You're on TV. People know you, right? I still get stopped on the street. I can't tell you how many times I was out with my wife where people actually were eating and they came up to my table. Can you sign this? Not a hello. I get up. I excuse me from my family, walk over, sign what they need. Thank you very much for being a fan. I greatly appreciate it. I was never rude, mm. right? I think the rudest thing and the most disgusting thing I've seen, and it comes from the AEW, is when MJF gave the finger to little kids. Now, if you gave my kid the finger, Mm -hmm. and you said, go fuck yourself, I'd crack your head open so fast, I'd split you open, it wouldn't even be funny.
2: You
1: don't disrespect my wife, and you don't disrespect my kids. I don't care who you are.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, is that just him taking it too far about his character or is that him as a person
1: from what you hear it's him as a person and you know you can't be an asshole like that to the public you you, and the thing i used to say all the time and this is the truth and i want everybody to listen Mm. inside the four great walls of the wwe and aew you might be protected but come on the street and do this in a back alley and talk to me like you were talking to me in that building and let me see what you got because I will fucking level you. Mm-hmm. You're protected in there. Everybody who has a job of power is protected in the building. Are well, you going to get fired? Are you going to lose your push? Are you going to do this You're gonna Talk to me outside like that. That, mm-hmm. was the, that was the thing with WWE, right? Because everybody thought they were a friggin' stooge for the big man. Right, and they can walk around and like make your life miserable, but as soon as you go home and you're a normal person, would you even think to talk to Vito Lagrasso like that on the street? No. Like it's it's kind of funny. Like you
0: and I have both been booked for for an indie show in November, um, which we'll both be at, and I'm going down as a as a mouth as a heel, and half the shit that. I know that I'm going to say I would never say to anyone that I didn't know or even anyone I would know. And you just need to know, I believe, personally. You need to know how to break character at the right times and leave the character at home. And I don't think a lot of these people, minus some of the top guys, i.e. Jericho, i.e. Cena, i.e. even Reigns currently, because I've heard he's an incredible person outside. But MJF and these guys, it just seems like they just want to live that character and that's, what they want to, that's where they want to live their life.
1: They've only been there for a cup of coffee. They ain't even established themselves. They, be, they don't even got 10 years in the business. Oh and because God. you were given a break, and you know what another thing is that irritates me so much? These guys think they made it in the business. I was fighting through Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, Rick Flair, Snash, Sting, um, Luger, uh, DX, Undertaker you name it it was there and if Vita Lagrasso had to fight through every one of them to get TV time to be a world champion to be a tag team champion to be a hardcore champion to main event on Nitro to main event on Raw to fight the top guys in the business how many of those guys can do that in today's world how many of the big boys would trust them Yeah, you got to. And in WCW, I was a big guy. But you compare my size to the bigger guys that were there, right? You look at Chronic, you look at Kevin Nash, you look at Bam Bam Bigelow, you look at Luger. Okay, I was Scott Steiner. When I got in the ring with those Goldberg, I got in the ring with those guys. I didn't look small, but I was big. But those guys were bigger, right? You talk about hard hitting. And here I am suplexing Bam Bam Bigelow over the top of my head. Kevin Nash over the top of my head. Um, Scott Steiner during his run. And I had that match before he fought Booker T where he gave me everything in the book and I made the comeback of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, I, he, I gave him everything in my arsenal and I'm throwing him around. Right. Right. The night I wrestled Kevin Nash on Nitro. Yeah. Right. And I kicked him out of his finish. The place was like, no. No, this is no. And he was like, that was suspense. What about the night Diamond Dallas Page beat Macho Man? He hit him with the stunner. There's a guy putting over another guy passing the torch. Hogan putting over The Rock at WrestleMania. And nobody would have been mad if, if Hogan would have won. Nope. How about Terry Funk putting over Big Vito on Nitro for the hardcore title, handing me the belt, shaking my hand? That's class. That's what you're supposed to do in wrestling.
0: Now, you've said so much there. And it's funny. You mentioned WrestleMania. I was I actually had tickets to that WrestleMania, and I didn't get to go, which hurt me. Yeah. But um, let's go to quickly the changing of the guard, because you've been through two, technically. You've been through uh, – actually, three. You've been through the changing of the guard from ECW and the WCW getting bought out by Vince. And then now we have Vince leaving and the new blood who we kind of knew where all this was going to fall. Like if you follow the business at all, you kind of knew the ins and outs of who was going to get
3: placed where. Right.
0: Are we going to see a product change in the next six months? Because the old man has finally taken his hands off the steering wheel and let someone that really did phenomenal work with NXT 2.0 or NXT black and gold. Are we going to see a grittier version of Raw and SmackDown or are we just going to see the, the train keep rolling down the tracks the exact same way it's been going for the last 10 years?
1: We are going to see a changing of the guard because there needs to be. Um, I'm going to put, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it in a am going to say positives, okay? Vince McMahon was probably the greatest announcer of our time. Nobody ever mentions him as an announcer, but okay. when you watched, when you watched, he was a great announcer. If he had to go like, go behind the camera again and be an announcer and do those interviews, I'd be like. Hell yeah, that's what I want to see. Yeah, right. Because that's what you you that's what you remember. Nobody talks about it. He was great at that. Him having a mind for the business and bringing WrestleMania and doing everything. He had a mind for it because he let his mind go. Mm -hmm. Right. He brought in stars. He changed the direction of the business from when his father had it. Now remember, I came in in the 90s, the 80s. They were already changing into something different to where, okay, the 90s, Ico Pro, bodybuilders, beautiful bodies, that started. It started before with superstar Billy Graham, Ivan Putsky, Tony Atlas, Hulk Hogan. Yeah.
3: Savage? Say, savage? Savage, too. But you
1: talk about the guys who were big, oh. like monsters, right? So you talk about a change of your guard. When you when you got to wrestle – now, I'm going to give you a scenario. I wrestled Bill Eadie on The Independence hundreds of times. I wrestled Haku, right? you remember – do you people realize that that was like the super machine and the Mass superstar and Andre the Giant? Remember that tag team, that three-man tag team?
0: I don't. That's a little – Back That's for
1: me. Cool. Okay, but Haku, Billini, and Andre the Giant. I wrestled two of those three and those guys were monsters. Right? Those were men with men bodies. Yeah. I wrestled Ivan Koloff in the nineties. Right? First time I felt manpower is when he grabbed me like this, people. I just stopped and I would look and I was like, Wow.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. I just had a wow, right? You wrestled S.D. Jones. You wrestled Jim Powers. You wrestled Iron Mike Sharp. These were veteran guys who took the time to teach you. A guy by the name of the Honky Tonk Man. I wrestled him so many times. Hundreds. I became a student when he talks about interviews. of my two favorite students. Big Vito and Perry Stadden, right? You talk about Jimmy Snooker, right? And in the 90s, I used to get so mad. Because I used to wrestle with all these guys, right? Because I was wrestling at WW, in the WWF. These guys were leaving. And who would they wrestle with? They wrestled with Vito, right, on, on the indies. Yeah. So, so I said, you no, man, I says, why am I doing the job every week? Hey, Vito, you really don't understand, do you? I said, no, why don't you tell me something? Tell me. School me. He said, Vito, you're the only guy who makes them look like 20 years ago. And you're the only guy they bump for.
3: That's a massive compliment.
1: That is a that, massive compliment. That's a massive compliment, right? When you have George Steele come up to you in the arena in Elks Lodge. Come over here. How you doing? Didn't Johnny Rods break you into business? Yes, sir. How come you're not wrestling full-time for Vince? i seen you on TV. How come you don't have a job? Says, I don't know what they say. Give me your stuff. What did you carry with you? Your picture with your name on the back. Address, phone number, and everything. Give me a picture, 8 by 10. I'm going to hand this to Vince myself. That. For guys like Kamala, Coco Beware, who made phone calls to Jerry Lawler to get me in there, Owen Hart, Vito, call up Otto Wands. got to get up at 5 in the morning, send your tapes, send all your stuff. Yeah. These are the guys who took the time to teach me. All these guys, right? Ted Petty. Cousin Luke, right? My first, very first wrestling shows: the Alpha and Seeker, Ken Patera, the Iron Sheik, Johnny Rods, SD Jones. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody, but the size of these men. Yeah. Right? You're just looking, I'm a kid, and I'm like,
0: oh, man, I'm going to get fucked up. So hey, get, you just opened that up for me. You just said, I'm going to get fucked up. You rambling these certain names off. Afasika, uh, Iron, uh, not, not Iron Sheik, uh, Kolov. Some of the stiffest workers in the business. But from what I've been told, these guys were stiff, but every shot was education. Everything in the ring, even though you're walking out of there feeling like you've been beaten by a bull. Like Afa and Sika, everything I've heard about Afa and Sika, they were the stiffest workers in the business. And but they did it safely, like you, you mentioned earlier. Now, how I gotta ask, how stiff were those shots?
1: I mean, it's not about being stiff. Mm-hmm. It's not about guys being rough. It's yeah. about how tough how tough are you? Yeah. Vito Lagrasso, I'll never say I was the toughest guy in pro wrestling. Never say that. Ever, Mm -hmm. ever. Was I tough? Everybody knew it. I could back up what I said. Mm -hmm. Right? And I was tough. I'm not saying I was no slouch. I knew my wrestling. I could take the best hits. I could take the best of the best with everybody. But they didn't do it with malice. They did it to teach you. And when you teach somebody... You ha- you can't show them the easy part of what it's like. You have to earn your stripes. Yeah. Right? So I'm wrestling Bill Eady. You you only know, okay, you're ready. You know what I mean? You wrestle the rest of these name guys in the business. How many times I wrestled Sergeant Slaughter and I go back and forth with Sergeant Slaughter? And Sergeant Slaughter was six six and he's big and he's like and here I am coming up in the business, you know what I mean? And, like, you're, you're wrestling these legends. You're wrestling them as a kid. But these guys took the time to teach me. If they hit you or well, they not nailed you, you didn't say words. You took it, and you're like, all right, let's go. you all right, Vito? Yep, I'm good, man. Yeah, Vito, you're going to be okay, kid. You're all right, you're all right. I never cried, never bitched, never moaned, never complained, never said you hit me too hard. I seen guys complain, and they used to get beat the shit up, because you don't complain. You, you want to be a wrestler? You shut up, you take it, you learn your craft. Yeah. That's what's, that's what's missing today, right? And a lot of guys get a bad name because they say, oh, he stiffed me. Oh, we're in a shoot. You have no idea what a shoot is. You have no idea what it's like to be in one of those things. Nothing.
0: And it, right? it, it doesn't seem like you hear, well, as much as you hear about backstage, you don't hear about shoots anymore. Like, back in the 90s, there was a lot of shooting going on, and that was before social media and the internet, and you, all, you heard about it, too. So if, you knew, if you're hearing about it and there's no platform to hear about it, you know it's something's going on,
1: right? How many fights have, haven't you heard about that happened backstage where two guys didn't like each other, and you go, they go out there, and you, pre- you know who's a tough guy, who was a big, tough guy, had heavy hands? jim duggan I when he hit it. when he had a right hand he hit you in the mouth like fuck man so i'll take another guy who you used to have brawls with everybody remember a guy named buzz sawyer
0: buzz sawyer i know mm, that, i'm not i'm not 100 go on
1: buzz sawyer against jim duggan okay you talk about hard-hitting guys yep okay how about my first trip to Japan? Stan Hansen against Scott Norton. And I'm watching this in Japan with Kevin Sullivan. And it's the first time I'm actually watching Japanese wrestling. I'm there in Rivera. I got the jacket. Yeah, I know WWF. You know, and I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing this. Vito, you'll be okay. Johnny Rogers told you how to wrestle. He says, you got to learn how to fight. Don't let anybody kick your ass here. And that put me on guard.
3: Right? That's insane.
1: I, because what people don't realize, when you go to every different territory, there's different ways and styles of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Jap- you have to know how to wrestle amateur when you go to Japan. Do you realize that Hulk Hogan probably is a great amateur wrestler, but he never showed it here in the States. But when you watch Hulk Hogan Muda and you watch Hulk Hogan Japanese tapes, that son of a bitch could wrestle at 6'6". Six, six. Yeah,
0: he was no slouch.
1: Right? Yeah. No slouch. But well, you never heard of Hulk Hogan being a tough guy, right? How about you wrestling Animal and Hawk, Legion of Doom in the 90s? There's Vito wrestling... You know, and the guy who I was wrestling with when we had this new match, Tony Guerrero comes up to me, and I had been there on TVs, and he said, uh, All right, kid, you're going to take the finish. Uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not taking the finish. I looked at him, Tony, and Animal Hawk, who just looked like this. He's like, Vito, are you okay? Yes, sir. You no problems? Nope.
3: Know what we want? Yep. <laughs> so, that guy? Wow. On the
1: next set of TVs, who did they feed him to? The Samoan SWAT team. Ripped his friggin' singlet, beat the living shit out of him. And I said, see, Jack Ash, you should have just took the finish.
0: Yeah, just shut right. your mouth and work.
1: Third TV, he was the guy who was on with The Undertaker, and they burned his boots. Oh, I don't God. think they paid him. Yeah, yeah, they burned oh, the bottom God. of his boots. Teach him a lesson.
0: All right, let's get to I got I do have a question. I want to get cuz you've gone over a couple of decades here. Um and obviously the the mind is fresh um and I I've not seen anyone ask you this question. Give me your three favorite matches that you ever worked. It doesn't have to be TV. It doesn't have to be on the big stage. Just give me three matches that you worked, who you worked with and why.
1: My first, my second WWF match against Bret Hart. Okay. Because he came up to me after the first time I wrestled him. And he was a little stiff with me. <clears throat> and uh, he came and apologized to me. And he says, hey, come over here. And I said, yes. He says, uh, I apologize for being a little rough with you. I asked to work with you today. I says, you didn't have to apologize. I said, I'm just trying to be one of you guys. He says, you are one of us. He says, come on, we're going to wrestle today. And I says, okay, you know, can I do this? He says, i will let you do some stuff because back then you didn't get offense. I was probably one of the few guys who got offense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he reckoned me. I wrestled Bret Hart four times. And when you have Bret Hart coming over to you as a pro and you're a young kid in the business, that most memorable night. Yeah. My, my other great matches with Rob Van Dam in the ECW arena. If I would have beat him, that might the place would have became unglued. Probably one of the best matches you see in ECW. Then probably my all-time favorite, um, the night I beat Terry Funk for the Hardcore Title. It's got to be out and, there. It's got to be out and there. He handed me the belt and shook my hand, which I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. That's pro. Huge I've been pro. in the ring. I've been in the ring with Flair. I've been in the ring with Hogan. I've been in the ring with a lot of the greats. I'm very honored and privileged to have wrestled all of those Hall of Famers. And thank you for taking the time to teach me. Mm -hmm. If they didn't take the time to teach me, I would have never made nothing of my career. Mm -hmm. And I always thank them. And even the guys who they said were, you know, and I get upset when they say it, All your job or job. guy like Jim Powers and SD Jones and Cousin Luke and Ted Petty, you know, um... I know I'm missing a few names, but those are the guys who were workers, and they worked with me on independent shows, and they took the time to teach me. Mm-hmm. You know, Honky Talk Man. I, I can never repay him. Put, making me work with him and teach. Nah, Skull, gotta do this. Hey, Skull here. You know, you don't. Those are things you don't you you don't forget. Yeah. Probably the most memorable locker room time is i uh, showed up for an independent show and um honky-tonk man greg valentine haku i mean all of them is like bill edie um there were a bunch of them sitting there i come walking in with my bag and um i was very respectful so i walk up to him i said look at you guys and they all stop and they look this what's the matter Vito? I said, listen, I'm trying to get my big break in the business, and you guys are still hanging around. When are you guys retiring? Right? So they all start laughing. So uh, I asked them, I said, guys, you mind if I sit with you? What? You want to sit with us? Come on over here, Vito. Come on. They got up, gave me a chair. I sat with them. Yeah. One of the greatest times I ever had just being a pro is when those guys... Come on over here, Beetle. Get get over here. Sit over here. How you doing? You're looking good, man. That's 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 the business. Yeah. That's the business. So
0: talk to me, you said something there too. Talk about talk to me about being a pro. Uh, because obviously when you go, it doesn't matter if it's independence or the big shows or wherever you are, Japan. Walking into that locker room for the first time. It doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter if it's an indie show or if you're walking into a ECW pay-per-view or Monday night raw, when you walk into that locker room, is everyone, is it like a big family? Like I've seen it from a, like a employee section standing in the corner, but is everyone like, does everybody exchange phone numbers? You got everyone's number on speed dial or is it? very restricted like they make it seem like when it was the 90s bsk over in one corner the click over in another corner and guys kind of just kept to themselves and who their tight group was like is it just in the lunch area where everyone actually
1: kind of intermingles or how's it work when you're on the road and you work for a company that's your family that's mm-hmm. your family no matter what the most memorable time i can remember in um being in a dressing room it was in the wwf in 1991 Hulk Hogan is champion. There's about 50 guys sitting on in by the monitor, walking here. Here comes Hulk Hogan. I look over Oh, my God. It's Hulk Hogan. He came over and shook everybody's hand down that line. How you doing, brother? How's everything? How's everything? First time you learn about respect. They teach you when you go into a dressing room, you shake everybody's hand. You show respect. hmm I still do it today, guys. I shake from the ring crew to the hot dog lady. Everybody, mm-hmm. hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. My name is Vito. How are you? You shake everybody's hand in that in that place. Mm-hmm. That shows you, you yeah, that you were brought up the right way. Okay, doesn't matter how big of a star you are, who you are. If I could do it, you could do it. Yeah. and I've been around more dressing rooms than just about anybody. Right, just like with all the greats and when you see them and you shake everybody's hand it's respecting yes. and the respect of the business I don't think is upkept like it used to be you remember um, guys who were not accepted in the dressing room changing the hallway well when you did TVs for the WWF you changed in the hallway you weren't accepted in the dressing room I was lucky I walked in the dressing room who broke you in kid? Johnny Rods Come right over here and sit over here. You're one of Johnny's boys. Mm -hmm. Because of who broke me in, they knew I knew the right way and how to act. Yeah. Shut up. Mind your business. Watch. How's it going, Baldy? You doing okay today? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. You know, everybody used to laugh at me back then, but they just say, Vito, he says, you're the only guy in here who's reading the Bible. Right? So they said, Vito, why'd you used to read the Bible? I said, well, I wasn't a religious guy, but I was like, okay, let me bring this Bible with me. And I was just like a superstitious thing. Mm-hmm. See, figured if I sat there and read the Bible, the guys would respect the fact that I'm serious about the game. I go do my thing. I wouldn't get in any trouble, right? You don't act a fool. You just sit there reading your Bible, reading your stuff, you know, going about. And the guys respected that. They liked that. They said, that kid's okay, you know? When you came out of your little shell and you had a little personality because you felt comfortable, because they let you feel comfortable. Yeah. You know? the nasty boys when they were there. Hey, kid, you want to see the back cave? I said the back cave. What's what's the back cave? They put their ass on the friggin' on the friggin' camera, in, in the, for the photographer. Yeah, that's the back cave, kid. And I'm looking. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: that's, that's insane I, I, I've heard stories about the Nasty Boys before So it doesn't surprise yeah. me
1: The famous uh, Ric Flair shaving the eyebrow thing Going overseas Right? Ric Flair's going to be Mayor, he's going for political office They shave his eyebrow He's fucking pissed Brian Knobs comes off I can't believe it, look at this brother They got Flair and then they got me He shaved his own eyebrow so he wouldn't get busted
3: no, he didn't. That's yes. ballsy. That's ballsy.
0: I love that. I love that.
1: Right, the famous ponytail with Michael Hayes when the XBox cut his ponytail. Right. He
0: I, took would, a I chance. I would have loved to see Michael Hayes's reaction the second he looked in the mirror, like that—that that, the fly on the wall thing for that one.
1: But there are things that you see that we don't talk about, and yeah. things you just—you know—you know the business is the business, the boys are the boys. Yeah. And the one thing I could tell you, and one thing my wife today knows about Vito Lagrasso, when it comes to the divas, the girls in the dressing room, the ladies who work in the dance, they all say one thing about me, and I'm very proud of. My, my mother was alive. She would say she'd be proud that Vito always acted like a gentleman. and. You know, hey, did I date around? Did I have my share of women? Did I do my thing? Yes. But I never treated them like, never treated anybody that way. Yeah. Right? But when you have all the ladies in wrestling, all the famous ones, and they come up and hug you and say, Vida, I can't believe it. You're here. How are you doing? Good to see you. You are always so nice. You're always cool. I mean, I could hang out with them girls, and they could be all naked. They wouldn't be... It wouldn't be nothing I'd want to do but just hang out with the chicks. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't like I was going to get some. Or like anything, but they felt comfortable to be to be themselves. And they always, always said that about me. And I think that's one of my more prouder things. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a gentleman and being a man in the business. You know, those divas, those wrestlers, those ladies, they were considered your sisters because that's yeah. the way I was taught. Of course. Would you have liked to hats, you know, Would you have liked to dated a few of them? Hey, of course you would. Hey, you
0: you came through the generation of some of like the the best female talent when it came to the attractive side of things compared to what we have now. Like we've got some very attractive women that are very um very athletic and talented when it comes to professional wrestling. But back in the day, the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, some of the greatest, most attractive women went through that locker room. So. So, for you to say that, that, is, that says a lot about you.
1: What was the hottest thing during the Nitro Wars? The Nitro Girls. Mm-hmm. Right? Beautiful. They were all beautiful. My first day in, on the job, Denver, Colorado. Get there, go down to the gym. There's the Nitro Girls. Every single one of them. Lucky son of a bitch. Yeah. Right. So you get to see them without makeup. You get to see them working out and training. And you say, all right, this is cool, man. Get in there. Introduce yourself. Talk. The most gentleman thing I think I did in WCW is I was doing an angle with uh, Dallas Page and his wife. And it was a thing where I used to be the Mama Luke's coming around and being, you know, how we were goofball Italians. And I said, all right, Vito, you got to grab her ass and do this stuff, right? So I looked at Dallas. and I looked at his wife. I said, is this okay with you? Do I have permission to do this? Right? So I said, Vito, you're good. And she told me, she said, Vito, grab away. Go ahead. But the fact that I did that. Yeah. Right? Cool stuff. How many people would do that today? I don't know. But – that's the kind of respect I had for the ladies and their men. I was friends with Mark Mero and Sable, right? Stacy Keebler right? When uh, we did a thing with Stacy Keebler and she had and uh, she, we had a kiss during the spot in the match, right? So I know you said Stacy Keebler Tory Wilson, right? Your girls there. So here we are. I come to the spot. I'm up on the rope. She gets up. So I go to kiss her, right? So I told her, I said, listen, I said, do they want me to kiss you? Is that okay? She goes, yeah, be." She says, okay. okay. I, says, I said, okay. So there she is. I'm kissing her. She, she gives me tongue. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing all this, right? So <laughs> it was probably the greatest spot of all time because, like, you know, here I am not thinking I'm going to get some. And I got some. And then, like, we both laughed afterwards. And I, I just said, uh, we just looked at each other. I said, Yeah, that that was kinda cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. So guys came up Vito, you kiss you kissed Stacy Keeble. How was that? So guys, K brother, K
0: <laughs> Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Oh man. All right, man. Listen. So we've gone we've gone some time here. You've given us some incredible insight, especially your career. Um you know, just the backstory of the business, some of the people that you've worked with. I've got one more question. And then I've just got uh, a quick word association. I like doing it. Uh, okay. I'll just ramble off some names. And you know, first thing that comes to mind. But my last question is, you have met literally my generations, the generation just before me and the new generations list of people. Who you still? Who are you still talking to? Who do you still keep in touch with? Who do you still like go for a beer with? Like the business was is massive. It's wide. You're down in Florida now, so like literally every professional wrestler pretty much lives in Florida at this point. So who do
1: you who are you still shooting the shit with? When I go to shows and I see the old boys, all come over and give a hug. Man, Vito, it's good to see you. Um. I see Shane Douglas. I've seen him quite a few times. We always sit and we have a good time. Johnny the Bull, I still talk to. My, my tag team partner. Mm-hmm. Nuncio. my tag team partner, I still talk to. Um, Angel of all these, I still talk to. Um, mm-hmm. There are a few other guys. But when you talk about Brian Clark, I still talk to. Ernest Miller. But when you talk about you know guys who you talk to... It's not about who you talk to. It's about your friendship because your friendship, I don't have to speak to you every day, but if I do talk to you, we're going to be on the phone for an hour because we keep up with each other and we know what's going on in social media. And we could pick up a conversation like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just like my, my other tag team partner, uh, Chuck Smith, when we did the Germans, right? Um, I haven't seen him in a long time. When we pick up on the phone, we're on there talking and shooting and catching up. And that's the biggest thing, I think. It's not the, the constant phone calls, but when you do talk to the guys, yeah, the love and respect that you have for each other that maybe you didn't know existed, but you talk now and you say, and they all say the same thing and everybody could say what they want. De Vito was all right. He always looked out for the boys.
0: Goodness. That's amazing that's amazing man like it's it, it it's a it's an attest to character and it just shows like how how you were brought up and how like the respect you you earned um by the boys kinda it's a long lasting one i actually I just had one other question um that just popped into my head when it comes to like you mentioned the guys who kind of broke you, trained you, got you into the business. Is there anyone that you kind of worked with that has come into the business that can say, you know what, like Vito was one of those ones that really kind of pushed me in the right direction?
3: Guys,
1: I'm going to say this, and this is the God's honest truth. I was probably the most hated wrestler ever to step in the squared circle. And on the Northeast, I was probably one of the most feared and hated guys that would step in ring and go to shows the reason was I took wrestling so seriously I wasn't into I was not into clicks. I wasn't into going out with the boys I was into training I was into practicing I wanted to be a pro wrestler
2: Yeah.
1: when they talk about Vito back then they more than more than one occasion maybe hundreds if not thousands Vito, if I would have listened to you back then, my career would have been different. Vito, thank you for taking the time to train me and teach me. Mm-hmm. Vito, I should have listened to you because I went and did everything that these guys wanted to do, but I was the only one who wanted to do it. Do what it took. Mm-hmm. So when I go to these places and I see the old guys, or there's a show coming up, and all those guys, man, Vito, I remember they still talk about stories. About me going to different places. You know, um I am Mike Sharp School. I was wrestling with Iron Mike Sharp, and I wrestled with a Mike Sharp with Tommy Jeanette and Johnny Rods on the Independence in the Northeast. Hey, Mike, you mind if I come to your school and I can work out? I said, yeah, Bill, come on down. I walk in there. I was so cocky. So it was a guy named Mike Moraldo. I think Crowbar was in there. Mike Bucci was in there. A few other guys. I walk in there, give me your best ten guys. They go, What? I said, Give me your best ten guys. Ten guys came up on a friggin' ring. I said, Okay guys, let's go. I went through all ten. I said, All right, I'm done. They still talk about that today. <laughs> the old training the old training regimen that I did, something called the Pepsi Challenge. They still talk about it today. Guys who I might have been rough with, but it wasn't being rough. It was teaching him because everybody forgets that I wasn't taught and I didn't wrestle guys my own caliber. I wrestled the WWF guys. Mm-hmm. That's what people forget. So I was already past that, you know, goofy, j dummy, uneducated stuff, but here I am being, I'm wrestling the pros. Yeah. So it was different for me. I was different than everybody else. And everybody took it as as me being a jerk off, but it wasn't. I was just different because I was trained to be a pro. Yeah. The one time we'll go from the Johnny Rod school, I went with about four or five guys. And uh they were like, oh man, Vito's on the trip. Oh, we got to drive with him. Oh, it's gonna be fucked up and So we get in the car. All right, guys, let's go let's play the name game. Let's it was like, what? Yeah, this is what you do on a trip. You have a good time, right? So they're having a good time. And fucking saying, the fucking said, Vito's human. And look at this. And he's even eating real food. What the fuck? <laughs> so it was time to go home. And uh, guys had to drive me home. I said, all right, guys, you can come to my house to eat. If I told you five heads turned around and they dropped their bed, and they said, what? I said, yeah, we're going home. I said, you guys can come to my house to eat. I got food already made for you. We're just going to go home, will you? He says, are you serious? I said, yeah, why? I said, guys, we're not in wrestling school no more. We're on the road. This is yeah. how you act on the road.
0: Yeah. So that's that's deal. brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, okay. Quick word association. I'm going to ramble off a couple. Um, Go ahead. Literally the first thing that comes to mind, and feel free if you want to shoot, you got you got an opinion on them, it's up to you, okay? okay. Uh, let's start with an easy one. Uh, Vince Russo.
1: He has been my friend for 30-plus years. I helped break him into business. He, uh, he, signed, he helped get me signed to WCW, gave me an opportunity to showcase my talents. He wrote some good stuff for me. I'm still friends with him today, even though we don't talk. And you say, who do you talk to? Vince Russo is one of those guys who's busy, he's got his things happening. But he's probably one of my best friends in the world.
0: All right, Uh, Taker Mark Calloway
1: I wrestled him in uh, Nassau Coliseum 1992 Uh, Treated me really good And when I got to be in the WWE and I was signed, they were short uh, Druids So they says uh, Man, we're short Druids, we don't have enough guys here." I said, I'll do it The ages, Vito, you want to be a Druid? I said, are you kidding me? I said, give me the damn thing. I said, "It's the greatest entrance in history. I said, but I want to be first, so I'm the last guy he sees before he turns around. They all laugh, but wrestling him and being out there during his entrance, yeah. that was cool. That's awesome. That, that was cool. So, I mean, I got nothing bad to say about him. He upheld the law. He was old school wrestling. Everything he said in his Hall of Fame speech was the truth. He didn't bullshit. He had to put the work in. And both of us came up during the same time. So, when he spoke... And you knew exactly what he meant. All
0: right. Hulk Hogan.
1: Hulk Hogan. I am probably one of the few guys who ever calls him Terry. And uh, I could stop. He's one of those guys who I could stop and have a conversation. I don't have to see him. But I could stop and have a two-hour conversation. We him. talk about life, talk about this, that, the other thing. And he always treated me with respect. Hulk Hogan and I share a very specific moment. Because the night of the Russo bashing with Hogan, Hulk and I, I was in the Baltimore arena and I had a dressing room to myself. So Hogan comes in. Hey, brother, mind if I share a room? I said, Hulk, come on in, man. I got plenty of room. It was just me and him in the in the dressing room. He comes back and I looked at him. I said, Hulk, are you okay? He says, yeah, brother. I said, I'm just going to go home. I was just like, I just was shocked because here's my buddy, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. There's my buddy, Vince Russo, and they just had a big fight. And I go out there, and I'm like, I said, Vince, what'd you do? And you all know the story.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. I, I just got goosebumps being that you were the middle guy, like, kind of there, yeah. and I remember that perfectly. So, like, I'm like, oh, I might have to have you just for more of that. Tell <laughs> you
1: so, I, I have to say, that night, more of the boys came up to me than anything and said, Vito, what the hell just happened? And then when I went to go talk to Russo and I said, Vin, I said I said, What the fuck did you do? You just you just fucking torched Hulk Hogan. And then he told me what happened. Mm-hmm. So I had to listen to his size being a boss and then him being Hulk Hogan. But I was friends and I was in the middle. Yeah. You know what i mean so i was that was probably a tough night for me it was a tough night for me fair i enough. didn't like i didn't like to see him, you know what i'm saying yeah but no, was, i get that part of history baby part of history
0: fair enough final two uh paul levec triple h
1: triple h um he made it into business great politician you look where he sits today he had a great illustrious career He has a wonderful family with three daughters. He married, you know, Stephanie. Um, Hopefully he could write the ship in the WWE. And hopefully down the road we could do business. Fair enough.
0: Ah, you took my last question. We'll get to that. Uh, Final one, Vince McMahon.
3: Vince McMahon.
1: When I grew up, I watched you and I idolized you because... Of your announcing, I said, "Man, he's the guy. That—that's the guy I wanted to watch." When I used to do enhancement talents, and I used to go up to the WWF and Titan Towers, and I used to go up there because I was doing charity work, and a lot of people know I did a lot of charity work. And the WWE, WWF at the time, would give me stuff to hand out for charities. So I remember seeing him a couple times when he walked in the hallways. He would look at me, and then he'd just keep going. And then when I see him at TVs back in the day you know, he would always acknowledge me and say, hello. Um, When I had the opportunity to work for him full time, and then I worked closely with him during the dress era, and anytime I had a question, anytime I'd sit with him and talk with him, it was a great talk and a great thing because I was a student of the game and listening to him talk. One thing I respected about Vince McMahon and one thing I always felt myself, if the boss can do it, you could do it. If the boss can go out and get his head cracked open, you can go get your head cracked open. If you could take a garbage can, the boss can take a garbage can. You know what I mean? And he showed that whatever he did for the business, you could do it too. It wasn't like, you know, well, I did it. Why can't you do it? And what are you supposed to say? He led by example. Yeah. He knew everybody by by their name. He had something for everybody. He knew if you had it, he knew if you didn't, right? He used to watch me practice every tv and everything when i was nunzio's partner and i would go in and practice because i was bodyguard and i would work out there after after everybody's out of the ring he used to watch me go back and forth and do my thing and um you know we would talking And me and nunzio used to uh put our matches together he you know i'd say vince what do you want you know how do you want this He said Vito, i'd like this and i like that i would go to him going to him during the dress thing you know i work Every night, I'd say goodnight to him. Go on, do my thing. The one thing about Vince McMahon that I wish that could have been better, his legacy and the way he left the business. No matter what he ever did, and you look at the end product now, the things he could have done to embrace the millions of dollars he had to help the industry grow, to take care of the boys who helped make him the money, um, the way he could have finished his career as the greatest owner in sports history. I'm talking baseball, football, basketball, anything. Yeah. And you say he could have been that. For him to end on this note in a scandal – is very sad because his legacy shouldn't be that shouldn't be tarnished it should be embraced mm-hmm. i think that's what the saddest part is out of everything and no matter what business there was going on whether it be legal it be royalties it'd be push it'd be this and that Vince McMahon might have had a say, but he didn't know everything that was going on in his house because it was people under him that were making those decisions for him. He didn't know everything. So at the end of the day, you look at the grand scheme of things, and he's 76 years old. He has a billion dollars. And life is not in the sunset for him. He faces some, some stuff wish him nothing but the best. I hope that if he is listening and everything is there there is no hard feelings towards anything and if I could ever go back to the WWE to make things right and work together to make the business what it used to be I'd be open to doing this because that's the business I remember and that's the business that you taught me also. But thank you always for the opportunity and let's hope that everything works out to where everything is settled in your life as a human being.
0: Always a class act. Like you have shown this entire interview. And as you have clearly stated through your entire career, which I think that is like probably the best way to end it. So Vito, I am going to let you take the floor and let us know what you're doing, where we can find you, what you've got planned. And do we have a potential return in the future?
1: Well, Guys, as you know, I have been wrestling and, um, I just started wrestling again and I've been taking care of Miss Noel because she's been having some health issues. Um, she's a little bit, uh, not feeling well right now. So I backed off the wrestling, backed off the bookings and backed off going out. But, um, our podcasts, we changed our forum. We do the TikToks, we do the Twitch. We're not going to be on Patreon. We're on Twitter at the Big Vito brand, Facebook at the Big Vito brand, uh, TikTok at the Big Vito brand, the Big V Mafia. So, guys, subscribe and help us out and help us grow. I know this young man right here, an entrepreneur of this business, is gonna help me get millions and millions of people to follow me. <laughs> but all in all, you know, your well wishes to my wife. I greatly appreciate. All you people out there showing me the love on TikTok, I greatly appreciate it. and Thank you very much for acknowledging me in this great way. Um, do I want to come back and wrestle? I would like to, but only for the right situation. Would I like to go back to the big time? Absolutely. But I don't want to go on TV just for a one and done. I would like to make it something where I could say, I'm finishing my career on my note. I don't have to win. I don't have to lose. But i like to finish In a dignified manner, Mm -hmm. not because I have to do other things in life. And remember, guys, real life comes first. Wrestling is never first. I think that's a lesson everybody learns. Take care of your family, you know, because that's who you have when you finish wrestling, right? And have a plan B. And how many people have a plan B out there? Not many. And when people say, Vito, I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm going to do this. Well, do you have a college education? No. Do you have a career? No. No. Do you have a full-time job. No, Well, go get one of those three things, and then go and be a pro wrestler because not everybody makes it. I was yeah. supposed to be a pro basketball player. That didn't work out. I tried out for the Olympic baseball team. That didn't try. That didn't work out. I was gonna play semi-pro football. That didn't work out. I could have boxed. That didn't work out. I became a pro wrestler, and I had to learn on the fly to have a plan B. There's life after wrestling. So if everybody listening, you know. Yes to AEW, yes to WWE, yes to Impact, yes to the NWA. Yes, if I can come back and do a prominent role and even wrestle a Skull Von Crush, I'd do it.
0: That's brilliant. Guys, this has been Mr. Tesh on the Street Shoot Wrestling Podcast with big Vito Lagrasso. Vito, once again, thank you to yourself. My best wishes, and thank you to Noel for getting this all set up. I wish you nothing but the best. And look forward to having you on here again because I think we didn't cover everything and we've got a lot more to talk about.
1: It's awesome. Have a great day,
3: guys. Peace. Take care.